The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Thanks for joining me. Be sure to go to my host page at Voice America to find links to my website and social media, and there's an index by subject of Good Grief shows that there's a link to as well, so you can find interviews on specific topics. And I also want to encourage you to check out the work of Anna Elizabeth, Good Grief's newest sponsor. Listen to my interview with Anna. She was a guest on the show in February 2015, and I'm really thrilled to have her support for the work of Good Grief. There's a link on the host page, as I said, to connect you with her five facets approach to grief and healing, and you can also find her at her website, AnnaElizabeth.com, or to purchase her book, same link, Digging for the Light is the name of her book. Today, I welcome Julie Sager Nirenberg. Julie is a freelance writer and editor, lifelong educator and artist. A proud parent and grand partner, I love that phrase, Julie lives with her spouse in Canada. Inspired by the experience of her father's dying and death, Julie published a short memoir about her family's grief and loss, Daddy, This Is It, Being With My Dying Dad. Her experience launched a true journey of connection and transformation as Julie reached out to share it with those who assist the dying and bereaved. Since her book's publication, Julie received numerous end-of-life perspectives from others, some of which will soon be available in a next book called Journey's End, Death, Dying, and the End of Life, co-authored with Victoria Brewster, MSW. Writing and publishing in this heart-led direction, Julie hopes to contribute to a cultural shift in how we prepare and support others in the final chapter of life. Julie also enjoys editing legacy writing, fiction and nonfiction works, and feels she's privileged to help writers succeed. Welcome, Julie. Thank you so much, Cheryl. That's quite an introduction. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Good to have you here today. I wanted to start by reading a quote from your book, which for me captured kind of the essence. It goes like this. In those moments between your last breath and my realization that it was, I felt many things, pain, sorrow, relief, surprise, wonder, all imbued with so much gratitude and peace that your struggle to live and to die at the same time was over. You are my daddy, and there will never be another like you. I miss you. I really thought that captured the book in one, in a few sentences. Thank you. I have a hard time listening to that. Um, 
because, yes, it does. It, it really captures uh, what motivated me to write the book and, uh, and to, uh, to share it widely uh, as, I, as I'm able after the fact because um, my father inspired me. Uh, the whole process that we went through in his uh, final years and months and weeks and especially the final days and hours really inspired me to carry um, forward that essence um, that he that he really gave to to me the special way that, that uh, a person could consciously go through that um, that final chapter and uh, that was that was something that I could do um, and so your little your little excerpt did really capture that for me. And I think well, that's how it all started that, when I started to write the the journaling that then became my short little memoir. And the thing that struck me about it too is that um it it's been true of of every death I've been a part of um that the, that there is not as one might expect, having never experienced it, just one feeling involved. There are some beautiful feelings, some joyous feelings, some unhappy feelings, some sadness. You know, it's a very um, multi-layered kind of experience. And and I, I was um, appreciative of you including that viewpoint in that, in that, in your book, in your entire book, but in that little section as well. Okay, well, thank you. Yes, I and I, I agree. I hadn't thought about it like that exactly. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, I believe my journey is still that kind of mixture of, of uh, sometimes very extreme emotions and, uh, and everything in between. And, and that's what makes us really whole. Uh, whole feeling human beings is to be able to have that full spectrum of all the emotions that come up and accept that we're going to have them. That brings me to something that that um, really stood out to me because, of course, the first time I encountered death intimately was in 1995, and uh, it impacted me. It impacted my whole life, but... Um, you know, being sort of uh, ready to publicly share my experiences, that took a long time. And I'm, I'm aware that it hasn't been that long, really, since your father died. Was it 2012? It was 2012. And I began to uh, reach out to share some of this writing that later became the book as early as, um, let's see, he passed in April. So it was as early as September of that year, late in September, I had written a little bit. Uh, I didn't really start the journaling until sometime in early June, I think. And and when I started it, it was it was to help me process. That was really why I did the writing. I wanted to tell myself the story, and in doing that narrating what I had been through, uh, try to incorporate and integrate all of that and, and accept it on a deeper level. Move through it and embrace that that was the story. That was that part of my life that I was now going to turn the page and create something next. Not that, not that that would ever leave me. That would become a part of me, a deep 
and uh, essential part of me. So I started to reach out to share it uh, initially as a very brief, um, let's see, what essay. And quite luckily, that was that was turned down. And at the, I, I reached out to a local newspaper, and they did not publish it that month. And because they did not. I then went ahead and reached out to somebody else on a more um, on a more international scale, actually. Um, and one thing led to another to another. People encouraged me along the way to continue to write. So this process of writing about what I was experiencing took several months. Even though the book is very short, you've read it, Cheryl. It's, it's a very yes. short book. Um, which which is good for grieving people, I feel. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what? I, short, I read um, it over so many times. I just felt like there wasn't another word that I wanted to include, uh, nor any I wanted to take out. So it seemed just right to me in that in that short length. Um, but I I did feel quite comfortable reaching out publicly to share that and that kind of surprised me having never done anything like that before i was going to ask you that whether this was just sort of in line with you as a writer and and all of that before or whether it was really new it sounds as if it was very new carol there's a bit of a backstory i i've been an educator for many years and actually worked with very young children up through, uh, mostly up through eighth grade. Uh, that was the greatest part of my of my teaching experience when I was working with young writers, and then later I worked with many many adults and older older people. Um, but working with the very young, I learned to cultivate what I call organic writing, and that's not a term I I've uh, come up with. It, I started to be a teacher during the very beginning of the whole language umbrella kind of movement and learning to help children uh, of all ages to learn to write about things that matter to them, matter a lot, that, that those kinds of very organic key themes are the things that motivate writers the most, and that, that's true of children of all ages, whether we're a 95-year-old or a 5-year-old, we we love to write about things that matter the most to us. Mm. Um, and so this kind of coaching, if you will, teaching, coaching, those are all the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even being an editor in dialogue with one's, uh, with my client authors, that's that's a form of teaching and coaching. And so working with those young children, I had the example myself of encouraging them to write about things that were very important to them. And some of the things that that came up with uh, my early experience as an educator would not be considered comfortable topics for many people, but they were important things for those children to write about. You're not going to find them in some story about Dick and Jane. You know, but it's those were the real life things that the children were living, and that kind of carried over into. I hadn't really done a lot of that type of uh, public writing myself, but when I chose to begin this journey of writing about my father's loss, that uh, 
teacher part of me kind of coached my own inner child writer to to bring forth what was uh, mattering the most to me. And that's how the story, people have told me it, it's at, at times quite raw, that they f- feel uh, that they really know me after reading that short little book and you know that I get I get some comments like that so I I am always so, amazed at the comments that I get from people and how they connect to me through that writing but so there were seeds it, sort it, it of planted but then be. they bloomed after your dad's death huh pardon you, me there you had planted seeds in your life for sharing this kind of intimate experience, but it sounds as if they kind of bloomed through the process of your father's death. It's very true, and I credit my dad for seeing those seeds in me and conveying that to me often, seeds of potential that um, that I might not be actively pursuing at one time or another, and sometimes he would remind me of little things, little, uh, the path that I had maybe taken a few steps along and just hadn't really continued there. He was, he was good at, at doing that, not in a, in a way that would say that I should do anything, but just reminding me that I had expressed that I cared about that and, uh, just asking me little questions <laughs> to, uh, uh-huh. Encouraged me being open to new things. And when he was dying, he said to me, um, are you going to write about this experience that we're having now? And I promised him that I would. He didn't Those say, Those kinds of promises have so much resonance, don't they? How, they how could you not after that? Indeed. I think he saw the wisdom. He knew himself from some of his own memoir writing how healing and how revealing uh, writing a memoir can be. We reveal parts of ourselves to ourselves first, firstly, before, you know, we disclose that to others. It's, it's really, uh, we learn about ourselves the most. And uh, he had been through that experience, writing a, a book of his own memoirs that my family treasures. Um, and he... Uh, I think he, in his wisdom, he knew that if I were to do that, that would assist me, and it sure did. Well, the other thing I hear in it is that he was a person who was willing to say, this is happening, uh, let's face it straight on, you know, that he was in a way a leader in his own death. Would that be fair to say? It would, it would be most fair, Cheryl. He was, he was indeed the leader. He, he coached me through uh, my time with him, and and uh, he could be just uh, so honest in in how he presented his all the different things he was feeling and wanting and missing and just different things that would come up for him. He was he was just fine with sharing that uh, with with me and with others in the immediate family. And was he I, always that way, or is that something that became more pronounced in in the process of his dying? It, it uh, took up a new framework in the process of his dying, a framework unique to that final chapter. Mm. 
but no, he was he was a man who was particularly gifted in that way, I believe. Um, and I was I was privileged to know him, not just as my father, my daddy, my very special dad, but also as a as an adult to adult uh, friend and and colleague of sorts. He he and I often talked about things that. Would be considered uh, topics on that level. He was a social worker, a psychiatric social worker who had had a very colorful career in, uh, in many different specific areas of that work. But he was, I think, I know for a fact that that um, constant cultivation of those skills that one uses in that role informed his his relationships and his ability to confront and and uh, embrace what was happening you know he, he wanted to live longer <laughs> Cheryl mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. He, he, had, he at one point said I have a lot more life in me you know and he yes. did there were he certainly did well the thing the thing that you're saying I mean I, this is overplayed a little but the people I know who are in mental health um, have share an interest in the inner landscape and in sharing that and in having those conversations and I hear that and what you're saying about your dad. So it's time for our first break uh, and I, I want to hear more about him and about and about how um, you all navigated the end of his life when we come back and listeners, you know, take these few minutes to go to my host page, make some kind of connection with me in whatever form works for you best. And to find out more about Julie Sager Nuremberg, you can go to www.createrightenterprises.com. Back after the break. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back 
This is your host, Cheryl Jones. I've been talking with Julie Sager-Nuremberg, author of Daddy, This Is It, Being With My Dying Dad. Julie, I wondered if you could start by sharing the piece from your book that begins in a private moment. I'd be delighted to do that. And forgive me if my voice breaks. I'm going to do my best. In oh, a private I moment. don't think that's a problem on this particular <laughs> show. <Okay. laughs> Hopefully listeners will understand. Absolutely. In a private moment, he hugged me close and assured me, My love will never die, Julie. God's love for you is also eternal. God is love, and that love never dies. I believe what you say is true. Thank you for saying it, Daddy. Now, are you ready to release me? Are you and I finished, he said. A little confused over that, I hesitated to answer, so he rephrased and asked, Are you finished with me? Well, I don't want to say yes to that, Daddy. Are you finished with me, I asked. Are you ready to take responsibility and answer my question, he asked, as kindly as he could. With tears in my eyes, I looked right into his and said bravely, I am complete with you, Dad. I have nothing pending with you, nothing that we haven't cleared up or handled. Our relationship is as close and loving as it could be, and I am complete. Am I finished with you? All right, I will take responsibility and say, yes, I am finished when you are finished. When you are ready to go, I am okay with that, Dad. Okay? Thank you, Julie. You are my one and only Julie, and I love you so much. I have always loved you and always will. You are so special to me, and our love is eternal. Anytime you want to feel my love, anytime you want to feel God's love, you just need to ask. And it is there for you, always there, and always will be. Daddy, I believe that you will always be with me and I with you. My heart and your heart are one. Thank you for your endless love. Thank you for being the very best dad I could ever have or ever want to have. You are the perfect dad. Oh, I believe I made my share of mistakes, Julie, lots of mistakes. Yes, Daddy, and I thank you for those, too. It is through those mistakes that we learn how to go forward and make choices, necessary choices, and how to heal and to forgive. It is being human, and it, too, is a perfect way to be. Warts and all, Dad, you are the very best. Tears streamed down our faces as we hugged, kissed, held hands, and breathed together, feeling infinite love and the gift of sharing this time. These words, this joy and peace, a lifetime of father-daughter sharing summed up in a few precious moments of dialogue. As family members took turns coming and going, Dad took the opportunity to have his private talk with each one, making sure we knew the assurances of his love and peace with what he was facing, the prospect of eternity and oneness with God's love. Asking each in turn for our agreement with closure, he bravely led us to the very brink of his passing. And in, oh, okay, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) That's such an amazing gift he gave you all, isn't it? It it is an incredible gift. And uh, he gave me more than one such opportunity to talk to him, you know, asking me if I was, if I was complete. 
I guess he wanted, he just wanted, yeah, I didn't have anything to bring up to him as, as something that was a pending item. And I think maybe he thought I was holding back and just wanted to be sure that there wasn't anything left to square away with him while I had the chance to do so in person. What a gift. Great gift. It, when I read that part, it made me laugh a little because um, my mom and I were pretty complete by the time she died. But a few days before she died, I said to her, is there anything I need to apologize to you for? <laughs> and she yes. kind of looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so that was our version, you know, hey, everything's good. But I think that yes. just makes such a difference. You know, just the fact that you asked that, Cheryl, it, I'm sure, meant so very much to your mother because you cared to to bring that forward and were uh, were brave enough to hear if if she might have had something to share around that. You know, well, it's, and and I I actually assumed that she did because, um, you know, she she had a tendency to hold on to things a little bit. And um, I was not an easy kid at at various points, you know. But as it turned out, there was nothing she wanted to bring up. And that was such a gift to me. Sure. So, so having the courage to, to broach those subjects, obviously some people will shut you down. <laughs> but um, it's, such, it's such a blessing in grief to have had those conversations, isn't it? It is because, uh, you know, I don't know what this, this is my first such experience of, of being so closely involved at the time of death. I was, I was present in the hours before my grandfather passed. However, this, this particular time with my, with my dad was the time that I shared the most, uh, close dialogue and and uh, the time of being with him in, in his actual last moments. I don't know what else people would talk about. Now, we did other things. We talked about some other things, but as, for, as far as important conversations, I think these these are the kinds of, this is the essence of, of what's important, and my father was able to know that and bring that out for each one of us. We didn't have to initiate it. He did. I, it made me wonder if perhaps your dad, you know, read, read about end of life. Uh, for instance, Ira Bayak has done a lot of work on what's important to say at the end of life, what really does make a difference. Um, and he kind of covered the bases on that, but in, in his own individual type of way. But um, it seems that either he he just intuitively knew or he did a little bit of investigation. What do you think? Probably a lot of both. He was quite intuitive. Um, and I also inherited some of his library, so I know that he had a lot of broad uh, influences from from books and and various authors. I I also know that in he quite actively worked with many of his clients in this realm of forgiveness and active 
dialogue with uh, parents, grandparents, extended family, whoever in, in those people's lives, it was important for them to, shall we say, finish business with those individuals. He, I know that, that in, in his own life, in his own, uh, as, as a bioenergetic therapist, which he was, he, he constantly worked on his own um, ongoing, shall we say, mental health um, with, by, by attending regular conferences, being, being personally involved in workshop experiences. And he, he would have... Um, open dialogues with with his own parents. Uh, it, he did that some before my grandfather died, but he did it a lot uh, after my grandmother passed away because she died when he was much younger than my grandfather did. So um, he didn't get a chance. He wasn't at a point in his life when my grandmother passed to be able to have that kind of closure with her. He just wasn't, and, she, and neither was she. And mm-hmm. so that's something that people can work on in their own ways uh, without necessarily having the person that they're conversing with or finishing business with there to talk to. It's yeah, still- one thing I like to say is uh, it, it's a little bit harder but never impossible. There you go. And there are many ways of doing that. <laughs> well, so, and but, sometimes, yeah. actually, it isn't a little bit harder. I have had clients who had an easier time finishing business after the death of their parent if it was an especially troubled relationship. Yes. Yeah. Um, because there was just too much running against it before when, when their parent was still alive. So never too late is never for sure. Never too late. But I, I think all of that kind of informed him. And the fact that he could not have that kind of closure with one of his parents probably uh, was a great inspiration to him to encourage us to be able to do that with him. Because it is a gift to have done it with the person, for sure. It is a gift, yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm very uh, thankful for that. Let's go ahead. The other thing I was thinking about in regards to this is that um, you made a decision, it seems like pretty fluidly, that you were going to be there, but also through reasons both um, intentional and unintentional, like getting sick, you left a lot of room for, for each person to have their own experience with your dad, sort of privately. Was that important? In, do you think in the in the um, well was it important to you first of all for everyone to have that kind of time and was it imp- do you feel were other people really wanting that or did or did he sort of orchestrate it all that part he did not orchestrate um, I'm not going to say that somebody didn't orchestrate it or that forces did, <laughs> did not orchestrate it in our family. Uh, it, I, I can't exactly say that it was an individual uh, 
that thought it out. Certainly not. I was not consciously doing that. But mm-hmm. you're right. In the last few days of his life, uh, I had I had gone there to be with him, and yet I came down with uh, a very bad, you know, cold. And I didn't want to shorten his last days by exposing him to something that would, you know, conceivably give him pneumonia. So I exited the scene for a couple of days. It was very hard for me to do that, just not knowing if he had hours, days, weeks. You know, I didn't know what time was left. But I knew it was the right decision, especially because I was so sick. Um, my various family members then did come in, and they, and we had already had people coming and going before that. There was one day, the Sunday before he passed away, uh, almost a week before he died, where 17 people in our family had come to visit him at different times. Wow. He, he, uh, it took a lot of energy, but it was, it was energy he wanted to share. And yeah, we had, we had singing. My brother, who's a gifted musician, was playing original songs on the guitar. And, uh, and we were all doing various different kinds of singing and my father joined in some and just kind of being spontaneous we're, we're a fairly musical group and um, I don't know it just seemed right to do that so yeah we, we did that but as far as the orchestrating I I'm I don't know that I believe in coincidences but whatever whatever was happening to make it happen in the proportions that it did I'm very thankful for that, particularly at the very end. It isn't that, Cheryl, that I consciously was fixated on being with him in his final moments, but I wanted to. I had that intention. Mm-hmm. And uh, as it turned out, my uh, a couple of my family members left right as as I had come, feeling well enough finally to uh, to be at his side again. And it was not many minutes later that he that he died Mm. so that worked out okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's um i'm i'm leaving an open book on how these things come about but um i know there is a sense of um if you're open to it ending up with a sense of rightness about how things unfold uh, regardless of how very, very differently, uh, you know, I've I've been very intimately involved in several deaths, and they're all completely different, and yet uh-huh. there's there's kind of a sense of rightness in the end about the things that happened. And I was also very, very um, captivated by the music part because, of course, um, you may know that music is the last center of the brain to shut down and so communicating musically when someone is near the end of life is actually extremely common i know with my wife i the last probably week of her life i hardly spoke at all i sang almost everything and and it wasn't a conscious decision to do that so i resonated with what you just said about about music very very deeply yeah, it's it's. Um, my dad came from a musical background as well. His his mother was quite a singer, and in fact, that's my grandfather would say that that was the chief attractant. You know, when they very first met, that her beautiful voice and and 
we just, our whole family has various different uh, things that we've done and do. And so we enjoy that. And it just seemed, seemed quite natural to be in that, in that kind of musical experience with my dad. He welcomed it. He enjoyed it. It was quite a, quite an interesting journey there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing that I'm I'm so aware of as a singer myself is how much uh, singing involves breath and how much it helps to breathe when you're in <laughs> when you're in um, deep deep uh, moments of um, pre-death. That's such an intimate time, and somehow singing seems to help in my view with kind of staying present to it. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I had a very profound experience uh, in the months after my dad passed away when I was involved in a, I don't want I don't know, singing is the right word. I, I guess you, a musical experience with voice that um, a group of women and I participated in, and there was a coach that led us, a voice coach leading us. Julie, can you, can you tell us the rest of that story after the break? I hate to interrupt you, but it's time for a break and I really want to hear it in detail. So I don't want to be, be rushed about it. So let's go to our second break and go to my host page to find my Facebook page, Twitter, LinkedIn, Um, just every way to connect with me and find out more about Julie Sager Nuremberg at www.createrightenterprises. That's W-R-I-T-E enterprises.com. Back after the break. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Julie Sager-Nuremberg, a writing coach and educator who wrote a book about her father's death and who coaches others to write about their deepest experiences. And Julie, before the break, you were telling me about a singing 
sort of group that you got involved with after your father's death, and I wanted to hear all the details on that because what I really wanted to talk about in this segment is um, the impact on our grieving of of how the person dies and the circumstances you're in and the relationship. Kind of, um, I felt in the book that your grief was influenced by him having had a beautiful death but I want to get more a little more into that and let's start with this um, the story of the group you were talking about it happens to be a group of women with with which I I meet uh, monthly and sometimes more often sometimes less often but we get together on a regular basis with a lot of uh, shared purpose this particular meeting that we had was um, we invited a, a voice coach, and we heard about her that she was quite special and could help us have have a unique experience together. So what we did is, uh, after a little bit of kind of playful warm-up, she led us into um, into exploring our own our own voice in every way and in that very safe circle of friends that I knew already very well and trusted and just felt so comfortable with, uh, um, each of us in turn, but I had this remarkable experience of opening up to uh, whatever song came out of me. It was nothing with words. I don't know how to define it. It was I heard music uh, that that was just coming from the deepest part of me, soulful sounds. And it released things in me that I, at a level in, in a new place within me, in the way of my grief that I had not yet experienced. That was several months after my father passed away. And I I just don't know how to <laughs> describe this experience to anyone who hasn't uh, hasn't been there and done that. But I, I've tried it myself a couple of times since in the shower, and it, again, with some very profound results. Music, if you are willing to just let it flow and let it go, can be so, so healing. And uh, anyway... That's my story around that. It was it was a remarkable experience, uh, and one that made me realize that grief, as you were just mentioning, Cheryl, grief um, grief can lead us into experiences that we've never even thought we would have before, and that's just one of them that I had. I had a I had another one that I wrote about in the book. You might recall. <laughs> would you like to share that with the listeners? Well, I, I, I will share, touch on it briefly. Um, a few days after my dad passed away, I was sound asleep. And in my dream, he came to me as a light body. That's all I know to call it. As a light, I felt it was him and it was a light entity that I experienced. And I also became a light entity and joined him in a journey of romping throughout the galaxies and also into tiny, tiny, infinitely small uh, spaces, subatomic, if you will, and everything in between. We could be anything. We could be anywhere. We could be in any time frame. 
and we romped and played and joyfully experienced this time together. That's how I experienced this, um, whatever you want to call it, astral travel type dream. And what woke me from that dream, Cheryl, was an intensity of joy that I thought would literally kill me were I not to awaken. Mm. And I, I, I woke up just with a bolt of, of, uh, of knowing that that experience had happened for me in my dream. Anyway, it was, and I could have never imagined anything like this. I never thought about, you know, never thought about that. (laughs) It was, it was a surprise and I felt it was a gift. It, it, what you're, what you're saying, uh, brings up, uh, something I've been thinking of quite a bit lately uh, in the periphery of my mind, which is, a, which is how much mystery death has introduced in my life. Uh, I, you know, as a young person, I was kind of rationalistic and linear <laughs> in my way of thinking. Oh. And I, I just can't keep that up anymore. Uh, <laughs> there, there, there are too many mysteries. You're yeah. talking about a mystery. Was that... Um, you know, a dream based on your uh, his place in your psyche, or was it an experience of transcendence, or was it? You know, it doesn't really matter. No, it it, it was a tra- transforming and beautiful experience. Period. Yeah, it was. It was, and I just again, it was kind of like a little. I don't know, little shared vacation time or something. I don't know what you want to call it. It was magnificent. Uh, it's it's very hard for me to describe, and I also am, am sadly aware that as time passes, I'm not able to experience that in memory uh, with the sharpness that I could immediately after it happened. And yet I imagine it does impact your ongoing experience of living. Uh, maybe I'm just thinking of myself that having had experiences where death is not the enemy... Uh, where it just is a fact, yeah. uh, r- really does influence so much the way that I live. I and that's and I I'm, I commend you, Cheryl. And I think that many many of of us are coming to that realization through experiences that we're having. Um, some of which are directly related to deaths that we witness or uh, or even contemplate. I've known people whose lives were changed uh, quite dramatically when they heard news that that they might be in the last stage of their life uh, and then maybe find out that they're actually not you know but in the meantime they've they've had a profound experience um, we there's so much mystery and I'm I'm open to to the many mysteries um, yeah it was it was hard for me after I had that joyous experience to to want to fully be here and now, you know, there was a part of me that just longed for that to occur again. And while mm-hmm. I'm open to that, I'm not fixated on that at all. It, <laughs> you know, if, if it's going to happen, it'll happen and it'll come in, in the time that it will happen. But I'm not trying to pursue every angle I know to have astral travel experiences or anything like that. <laughs> well, but the other thing is... Um... You're giving me an impression that you're not that you're not saying, but I want to see if I'm right. That somehow to have those kinds of experiences, 
um, you have to be open. And to be open, you have to be willing to have the moments that are really painful. Has that been true for you? Um, I mean, for someone to write about the death of their loved one, I guess you have to be, you know, open to the grief of it because you're, you're bringing it up. But I don't know how your grief has been on the other end, the end that's more more um, rooted in the loss and, and the living in the world without your dad. Yeah, it's been, um, you know, over time I integrate that reality more readily. Mm-hmm. At the beginning I felt, when I very first began to feel, it took me a while to get over that, that uh, bubble of uh, joy that I described to you just now that I had experienced and and also the very special nature of that shared those shared moments of his end of life and that carried me for a while and when I started to really feel he's gone I can't call him every day you know it just yes get the reality of that I I was angry I, I felt left behind it's not that I didn't want to be here in this world and I love my earthly pleasures and my family and, you know, my partner and everything about uh, being here where I can experience nature and, and just, you know, watching the next sunset, whatever it might be. It's not that I didn't want that, but I also felt left. And, I, you know, so you, what you said about experience, Experiencing all of it to a very great degree is, I think, very important. If we're not willing to face, really face, whatever it is that we're going to feel and feel it head on, it, we're go- we lose something. We lose the opportunity to feel all of the spectrum of, of the feelings, all of the joy and all, you know, in order for me to feel that great joy that I felt, I'm sure that I also had to feel the profound loss that I felt. And there are some days that I still feel that. I still want to pick up the phone and call my dad. I want to hear him being silly with me. You know, I want to, I want to share things. Absolutely. I, I, um, we have a shorthand in our household for that about my mom. And uh, it's when I feel that, I say to my wife, it's a call mom day. Ah. <laughs> and she knows exactly what I mean. Yeah. Uh, it always means I've almost picked up the phone, which I'm, I'm, I'm very well aware that she is not on the other end. But it's, it's such a strong impulse, isn't it? It is. It is. And I hope I always keep that because it's just a sign to me that that he was that special to me. And if I, if he wasn't, I wouldn't miss him so much. So it's, that's the good side of it. You know, if, if somebody's, if you don't miss them that much, uh, it probably means that you, you didn't, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I shouldn't say what others might experience, but that's how. No, I'm but I think it. what you're saying is so, so important that, that in a way grief is an honoring of the connection. Indeed. Indeed. It feels to me like a perfect moment for for you to read that little excerpt from your book. Um, uh, You know about about him in your life after. Okay. Yes. Definitely. Writing about Dad's last weeks of life is helpful to my grieving heart. 
with each phase of writing, rewriting, editing, and reading, I cry a bit less and celebrate a bit more. My dad's life is a great cause for celebration. His end of life was beautiful, memorable, and as special as he was. I I have this sense, the word that's been with me for uh, about 20 minutes now is legacy, that, that your dad left you such a legacy in facing things head on. He gave you such a big head start didn't he? And because it seems as if you followed in his footsteps, Aww. the way that, that he faced the end of his life is also the way that you faced your grief. Well, thank you for saying that. I, I would be pleased to, to think of myself that way. Um, I, and I, I do think that that's been the case. And I'm, I'm, uh, I, I feel that my dad would be honored by the steps that I've taken to share this little it's people have told me it's kind of a little how to book for <laughs> you know the end of life I didn't come up with that it, it, I I did this as my processing of what I experienced with with him and with my family but if it can serve that purpose for anyone I think he my father would be quite honored to have to know that his his Julie experience was was creating that i i think he would too and i want to thank you so much for being with with me today i've really enjoyed our talk so everyone out there find julie at creativerightenterprises.com and next week i'll be talking with kelly scott Kelly is Executive Director of Claire House, a social model hospice providing a loving home and care for dying people in need. She also consults with others establishing similar care homes across the country. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.